fam. Welcome to the Prescription for Change podcast. Are you a working professional, busy mom, and tirelessly trying to bring your A-game in your career? Do you prioritize your family and their needs before your own, leaving little to no time for self-care? Do you secretly fantasize about the days you are at your physical peak and confident with your body and in your skin? Are you tired and struggling with the never-ending journey to better nutrition, physical fitness, and mental health? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then this podcast is for you. I am your host, Dr. Michelle, board-certified physician, mom of two, and your health coach. This podcast will transform the way you think about food and your health so you can break away from perfection paralysis and finally start to live your life intentionally. Let's get started. Hey fam, thanks for joining again today for another episode of Prescription for Change, Healthy on Purpose. So I want to jump right into this episode because it is something that I know I needed to hear and I needed a reminder of and still do at times. But this is one that may hurt your feelings, which is okay. It may be a little bit of a shocker, but it's one that's going to make you think, really, really think about what you're doing in life, how you're living your life, what your purpose is. And I wanted to talk about it today because we need these reminders with all of the things that we have going on in life. We need a reality check sometimes um, to have that introspective view and evaluate the things that we're doing and be able to shift and make some changes. So I want to start by telling you that, and I've mentioned this before, as a child, my family, I had the support of, of all of my family, and I was blessed enough to have not just nuclear, my nuclear family around me, but extended family um, growing up. And so my family always valued and still does value education. And that's something that I have passed on to my own children. But I never had this sense of feeling that I had to be perfect that was something that I feel like many children put on themselves, mainly because they don't want to disappear, disappoint their parents or guardians or just the adults that they idolize and look up to as role models. Children do not want to disappoint those people in their lives who are important to them. And so as children, we kind of put this um, weight on ourselves of always having to please and using that as a marker of self-worth, using that to determine if we're a good person or a bad person. How do other people view us? How do other people see us? Did I do a good job? Not because you want to know that you did a good job for yourself or you feel like you did a good job, but because you want to know that the adults in your life or the people around you that you look up to think that you did a good job and that they're proud of you. So that is usually a marker for children, but that's kind of projected on children by some of the things that we do. So I never felt that 
my family ever pressured me to be perfect. I never felt that burden, but I realized that I put that on myself. And going through elementary school, high school, college, and then going into medical school, and even residency, I think that was the the biggest thing where it just got worse and worse and worse and worse. As far as my self-worth was determined by external factors, had nothing to do with anything within my control or anything to do with how I viewed myself, but what other people thought, what my grades looked like, how many people I had surrounding me, um, and just all of the all of the things, right? How many things did I get done today? But I bring up school or academics because the culture of medicine typically is one of martyrdom, right? You are missing all family events because you were completely and totally dedicated to your hospital, your clinic, whatever it is that you're doing. You're completely dedicated to medicine. And while we take an oath to do no harm and to always make sure that we're doing the very best that we can for each and every patient, it doesn't mean that you have to be a martyr or it doesn't have to be at the expense of your own health and self-worth and your own time. And one of the biggest things about residency culture, even being in med school is how late did you stay? How many patients did you see? How well did you, you know, present? Um, Did you do that extra surgery? Did you stay later? Did you like all of the things that really had nothing to do with you as a person? And the feeling I bring up failure as a child, because we're always taught to, in general, the thought of failure is something that's always bad. You don't want to fail at anything. But in order to learn and to grow and to shift and to change and to be successful, you have to first fail because that is how you figure out how to what changes you need to make and what things work and what things don't work. And if you never experience failure, then you never have that opportunity to actually grow and to learn. And so the culture of medicine is one that you, there, there isn't room for that. There isn't room for failure. There isn't room for um, kind of quote unquote slacking off. It's this feeling of always having to do, constantly moving, always doing something. Otherwise, you're not enough. And is that the the measuring stick or measuring tool that we're using to define ourselves and to define our value? So this thought of, um, I'll use the example of just how residency has shifted or changed, the culture of medicine has changed a bit because I was right in that transition period where there were no um, clinical hours or hours that you could that you were restricted to. So I think it was in my second year of residencies when the 80-hour work week started to get instituted. Before it was, you just worked however many hours you worked. You stayed until things were wrapped up. It didn't matter how long you had been in the hospital. If you were doing a 12-hour shift or overnight or you were on call, whatever it was, there were no rules for working for residents. 
and med students stayed as long as their residents told them to stay. Otherwise, you just, you know, you didn't have that um, drive or that energy is what the thought was. And so without those restrictions, you could work easily over 100 hours in a week. And you could imagine how exhausting that is. You could imagine all of the things that you're missing, um, important family events or things with friends. And so you didn't have that same Um, the same relationships with people did after you graduate from college and you may get your first job or, you know, you go into a trade school and you get your first job. It's very different. So the culture of medicine, I was right in that shift in residency where we switched to an 80-hour work week. And so in the beginning, it was, you know, when you're first instituting these rules, it's, you know, oh, you know, back in the day, we worked 120 hours in a week. And you're like, oh, my goodness, how did you you never slept? How could you even function? But that was a symbol of, you know, having grit and being able to go out there and still do all the things for your patients at, you know, at what end to what end to what cost, and it was always at the cost of you as an individual. And so instituting this 80-hour work week, it was like, ah, you residents aren't working as hard. And now it's even more different. I think now it's 60 hours and there's no, you know, 24-hour call anymore. And there are a lot of different changes just to protect each person as an individual, as a human, understanding that we need sleep, we need to eat, we need those things to be able to function, basic human needs, right? If you were in a, a surgery, you weren't scrubbing in and scrubbing out, you you had to stay there. So you either made sure you went to the bathroom before, dehydrated yourself, whatever it was you needed to do to stay in that surgery, you didn't want to miss it. And that was the culture. That is how I continued on in my life. And so just thinking about what my measuring stick was, what is my worth, and realizing that I did not value myself at all, or I was using external factors or things that didn't really matter as a measuring tool to determine what my actual value is. I didn't quite understand what that was. And that is a lesson, that's a hard lesson to learn late in life, is that your self-worth is not determined by external factors. It's not determined by anyone else or anything else going on. It is determined solely by the things that you can control. Once I made that shift in my mind, then I was able to understand the value of my health, the value of staying healthy, of taking intentional steps, making those small changes, making those Uh, 1% shifts and pivoting and being able to change as my circumstances change, as my age change, as my health needs change, after having children, um, working in my career, which is still very busy. But I value my time because I value myself. And I make time for the things that are important to me because that is what I'm using to measure my self-worth what it is, what are the things that I want to do? What are the things that I need to do to make sure that I'm happy? What are the changes I need to make in my health to make sure that I feel good? When you don't value yourself or you're using external factors to determine your worth, then 
you're not going to do the things that you need to do for yourself that will actually make you happy. So I want you to sit and think about that for a bit. What are the things that you're doing in your life? Because the measuring tool that you're using to determine your worth is often the thing, it's a reflection of how you're living your life. And if you look at what you do day in and day out, what are the things that you're doing? How many of those things are solely for you? And how many of those things are you doing for other people? So I can tell you what are the the measuring tools that are not an indicator of your worth or your value. So the to-do list. Oh, the to-do list. That was one of my favorite things. Making a list of 20 things that I needed to get done in a day with the check boxes next to it. And I have to say, I still have a little bit of gratification when I check off something off of my list. My lists now are much shorter. But I would have a list of like 15 or 20 things that needed to get done. And they weren't quick things. It would be like organizing my closet and, um, you know, getting my car cleaned and making sure that, you know, I got a workout in or that I meal prepped or that whatever it was, it was 20 things on the list that really were ridiculous. And there was no way that I was going to get it done. And if I didn't have all those check boxes checked off at the end, I would feel like I failed or that I wasn't productive enough. I didn't do enough. They'd be like, what did I do with my time? What did I do all day? There's something to be said sometimes about just sitting down and doing nothing or doing something mindless or just watching your favorite show or, you know, I I have to say this past, not this past weekend, maybe two weekends ago, my husband took the kiddos camping and they usually do an annual camping trip around or on Father's Day weekend. So they do the Friday to Saturday. It's always been in our backyard. He's been doing it since my youngest was, uh, I want to say three or four years old and, you know, would set up the stuff and have them very much involved in, you know, setting up the tent and getting the fire together and, you know, what they were going to cook on the menu. Very, very cute and kind of set them up so that this year he actually took them out to a camping site. So rented the space for a weekend and, you know, gathered all the things and they were involved in like prepping their first aid kit and making sure they had all the materials they needed and um, packing up the food and coming up with the menu, all the things. So And they had a good time, went out into the woods, and they were gone for a weekend. And they asked me, Mommy, are you going to come with us? I was like, no. Nope. They're like, what are you going to do? I am going to do whatever I feel like doing. I'm actually going to do the things that I enjoy. So that weekend I spent relaxing, eating the food I wanted to eat, sitting down and catching up on some shows, just sitting there, didn't care, didn't do any laundry, didn't clean the house, didn't organize anything. I had some cocktails, I read my books, I went for a walk, I listened to music, I did whatever it is I wanted to do, but all of the things that brought me joy, all of the things that brought me joy. And that is valuing my time, valuing my self-worth, 
what it is that makes me happy, what brings me joy. There were a million and one things I could think of that I could have done for work, for the house, for friends, for other people, what would have made other people happy, what I could have checked off of the list would be endless. But at the end of the day, I realized that those things are still gonna be there tomorrow and the day after and the day after that. And there is no reason why I need to create a list of 20 things that need to get done because I'm setting myself up to fail and setting myself up to feel like I am less than. And I certainly do not need that. And I realize that there's really no point or function in that. So how does this apply to your health and how you value value yourself? So if you don't value yourself as a person or you don't understand your self-worth, then you are not going to do the things you need to do in your health to make sure that you're actually successful, to make sure that you're setting yourself up for success. And sometimes that means you figure out what things work and what things don't work. That's called failure. And understanding that it doesn't mean that you are a failure as a person, But understanding that failure helps you to grow as a person and helps you to be successful and helps you to get to the point that you want to get to because that doesn't happen overnight. I don't care how many programs are out there or diets or fads or whatever else that will tell you that you can lose 20 pounds in one week and keep it off because that is not realistic. You're setting yourself up for failure, but not failure that's going to be helpful in valuing yourself. So understanding that, like, what are the things that are going to make you happy? Most of us want to be healthy. We want to be able to do those things. We wish, oh, I wish I could be that person. But instead of wishing to be a certain person or wishing to you know, have a six pack or flat abs or toned arms or be able to run um, a 10K or be able to run a mile in eight minutes. Instead of comparing yourself to those people, understand, stay in your lane, stay in your lane and understand where you are at this time and not looking to see what other people are doing to the right or to the left of you or in front of you or behind you. You are where you are right now And that's fine because everybody started there. But valuing yourself enough to know and to understand what are the things you need to do to be able to get to the point that you want to get to. No one says that they don't want to be healthy. Everyone wants to be healthy. Everyone wants to feel good in their body. Everyone wants to look good. Everyone wants to feel good and be able to, if you have kiddos, be able to keep up with your kiddos and be able to do the things you want to do, be able to go up a flight of stairs without feeling like you're short of breath, be able to walk around the block and feel good, be able to walk up that hill and not feel like you're achy. Everyone wants that. Nobody says that I want to feel ill. And when you make time for the things that bring you joy and you make space for that, you create that space because we all have the same 24 hours. I don't have any more time than anybody else, but I create the space that I need for myself and create those boundaries so that I can do things that bring me joy, that make me feel happy, that make me feel good. And then in turn, 
I can feel healthy. I can do the things I need to do to make me healthy, to help me along that journey. And whatever that is for you is going to be different for each person. And it's going to be different, even change for each person, depending on where you are in life and what your circumstances are. But stop looking at the external factors to use that as a as a tool to measure your value. So what is your worth? What do you truly think you are worth? I want you to sit and think about what are the things you're using to measure your worth? And how is that? How are you living that out each day? What are you making space for? Who are you making space for? What are you spending your time on? What are you spending your money on? So the to-do list with the checkboxes next to it doesn't matter. And your career and your job, those things will, the list of things to do will never end. There will always be something to do. I never leave and say, okay, everything's completely tied up. I have nothing left to do because it will be there the next day. So the things that are urgent or emergent that I need to take care of, get taken care of. Some of those things have to wait. I'm not bringing my work home with me because I value myself and my time too much to do that. And that's a lesson that was a hard lesson to learn. I didn't get that when I was in residency. I didn't get that in med school. I didn't get that during that time because I felt like my time was for other people. My worth was for other people or determined by other people. It's not about your social media following. How many people are following you? Doesn't matter. I can honestly say I go on, I post what I need to post, whatever I have in my private group that is going to be something positive, some positive energy, something that may help someone else, something that's going on or that I find um that brought me joy, maybe helpful to other people. And then I'm off. I'm not looking to see how many likes I have. And that's another thing. It's in this world of social media, it's so hard for kids now. That's just not how I grew up. But your worth or your value is not determined by how many friends you have, either in person or on social media, or how many likes you get for a post. Or your appearance, your age, what you're wearing, the kind of clothes you have, how much money you have, what, how much is in your bank account. Do you own properties? What are you doing in your life? Your, the car you're driving. It all doesn't matter because that is not anything that is in your control. And if it's not in your control, then it should not be something you're using to measure your value or your worth. The things that matter are the things that are going to affect your happiness, the things that are going to bring you joy, the things that are going to help you along in your health journey. And when you're healthy, mentally, spiritually, physically, then it's going to exude out into those other areas of your life, into your relationships, intimate or friendship, into your relationship with your colleagues, in your social spaces, in the things that you do, the way that you're living your life. But 
all of those other external factors really do not have a bearing on your worth. And once you realize that, you will think about, reflect on the things that are going to make you happy, the things that are truly going to make you happy. One of the things that I respect so much about my mom is that she does not care what anybody else thinks. Doesn't care. Did her own thing. And that's one of the things that I learned from her. I had to keep getting reminders, but it's the stay in your lane, mind your business, do your own thing, do the things that you want to do. She doesn't care. And it's not because she doesn't care about other people, but she respected herself enough and valued herself enough to not let what other people said or thought or did to influence her in any way. She did the things that she wanted to do. She was her own thought leader. And that was how, that is how she lives her life. And that is one thing that I'm still working on. But I'm much further along now than I was two, three years ago. Much further along now. And I'm happy with where I am. And of course, those things, as I always say, are going to change because the things that I like now and the things that bring me joy now and the things I want to do now are very different. Very different from a year ago and will be different two years from now. But it's going to be the things that what will direct me will be the things that I want to do, the things that I value for myself, the things that make me happy. And all of those other things will come. So it doesn't mean that you don't care about other people. It just means that you respect yourself and your time enough to do the things that are important to you. And once you can understand that and start practicing that, then you can move forward in your health and the things that you want to do. And getting to a place of feeling like you are healthy on purpose. All right, y'all, that's all I have for today. Hopefully this was helpful for you in some way, getting you to think about your health journey, what you would like to do or how you would like to start, get started in the future. And just understanding that it's a process and it's something that takes time, but that I want you to really reflect on so that you can move forward. All right, cheers to your health.